we're going to have some fun with some husbands this week. And so if you weren't here last week, you're like, uh-oh, I'm in trouble. I didn't know about anything about husbands being, you know, in trouble. But no, you're not in trouble. But we're going to we're gonna challenge, um, we're going to talk about uh, marriage today. And you're like, oh, I'm not married. It's not really you know, related to me. Well, I, I don't know. I think that, you know, who, you know, that you have a, a position if you're not married to, you know, hold where we're brothers and sisters in Christ. And, and I think that there's a, an accountability that uh, husbands and wives need. And, and, uh, and that kind of relationship should happen to where uh, that can be established. And so uh, always the foundation for uh, what we say around here is never based on our experiences, but only based on the foundation of, of the Word of God. That's where our foundation is and, and for us as, as we live this out, as we live out our faith. And, and uh, that's, that's where, where we build our life, life on is, is, is what God says in His Word. And so um, it wasn't always that way. As a matter of fact, the time when Jesus uh, walked around on earth, uh, their view of of marriage uh, was much, much different than the view of marriage today. Uh, as a matter of fact, Jews, Jewish men would pray this. This would be their prayer. God, I thank you uh, that I'm not a Gentile, which is most of us, if not all of us. I thank you that I'm not a Gentile or a slave, and then he would, they would say, or a woman. That would be their prayer. God, I thank you that I'm not a Gentile, a slave, or a woman, and there was just like that line. That's what they would. That would be a, a prayer of theirs. Now, uh, th- this is not necessarily what Jews would say, but this was sort of the culture um, and, and the belief uh, when it came to relationships with one another. And here's a in a Greco-Roman culture uh, back in ancient history, back when Jesus was walking this earth. Here would be. A quote, we have courtesans for the sake of pleasure, we have concubines for the sake of daily cohabitation, and we have wives for the purpose of having legitimate children and handling household affairs. Now, if you're a wife or a woman, you're offended by this, aren't you? I mean, this is the mindset that they had back in that culture when it came to, you know, wives and when it came to women and the treatment of women. And then Jesus came along and said, no, 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 no. That's not the way that it's intended. Men and women are equally valued. Men and women have, have intrinsic equal worth in, 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 the, in the eyes of God and the family of God they're of equal value this is the message of Jesus this is the message of Christianity and because of the church because of Christianity what we now know today at least to some degree we know today that that is exactly the way that we view our marriages and, and not in this kind of way where they had you know people that would just they would take advantage of women they would take advantage of for pleasure other women for just to cohabitate you know uh, and then and then for wives to, to just to bear them legitimate children and, and handle the house we know that they're of greater value than that women that's Jesus Jesus elevated that status aren't, aren't you glad for that women ladies are you with me all right you're still just arms crossed you're still mad you're like what is this about like I I get it I get it so Jesus came along and said I have a brand new commandment for you 
And this commandment, he said, he said, and we looked at it this last week. He says, here's a brand new commandment that I want everyone to follow. He says, I want you to love others as Jesus loved you. That, that's the kind of commandment that I want everyone to follow. If you can follow this one rule when it comes to all of your relationships. And, by the way, all of the New Testament, all of, or in other words, all of the New Covenant is, is hinged on that one rule. So whenever you're reading through your New Testament, you need to know that all of that is application. Every New Testament writing is an application of Jesus' one new covenant command. All of it. From, from, from Paul's letters to Peter's writings to James, to, you know, all of it is, is, is hinged on, all of it hangs on that one command. That one command. You love one another as Jesus loved you. So, in other words, our love cue is not from you. It's not how you want to be loved. It's not how you, sh you think that that other person, that significant other, or that person that you have a relationship with or friends with or, you know, your parents or whatever the case may be for you, that your love cue is not based on how you love or how you want to be loved. No, it's much better than that, but it's more demanding than that. That your love is from how Jesus loved you. It's a lot more simple, but certainly more demanding. It's a simple one rule, one rule that you have. You love her, you love him as Jesus loved you. And so now we got to look at what does that mean? Well, Paul, like I said in Ephesians 5, Paul gives us some examples of that. He says, listen, I want to, uh, because remember, all of his writings are application for, are illustration for that one command. Love one another as Jesus loved you. Are you with me? Everybody's with me so far? Okay, good. So Paul says, here's, what, here's another way to say that. So Paul wrote this in Ephesians 1, or excuse me, Ephesians 5, 1. Here's another way to say it. He says, therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children. So he said, listen, here's what, here's what let me just word it this way. I just want you, when it comes to your relationships, I just want you to imitate God. When it comes to your dealings with people, when it comes to your siblings, I just want you to be an imitator of God. In other words, I want you to love your siblings. I want you to love your parents. I want you to love your coworkers. I want you to love your neighbors. And certainly, I want you to love your spouses as Jesus loved us. So he says, I want you to be an imitator. And last week, I showed some different imitations of this, right? And so like, Fruit rings, all right? So let's just pretend like God is Fruit Loops. How amazing are Fruit Loops? Fruit Loops, amazing, all right, all right? Fruit rings are not that bad, all right? It's close enough, right? This one says, now even better tasting, right here. It's hilarious. I don't even know. Like before, I was like, eh. But they had to put a label on the box that says, now it's even better tasting. So if you can at least become like a Fruit Rings that's not bad, right? You're like, I'm not, I can't, I can, I'm, I'm striving to be Fruit Loops, but I, I'm, I'm going to get there one day, but right now I'm just going to be Fruit Rings, all right? That's, all right, you with me? All right, these, these are just things to keep you awake, all right? I, says, I, I just want you to imitate, I want you to be an imitator of God as his children, as his children. 
viewing your relationships together as, as brothers and sisters in Christ, right? That's, that's ultimately the family of God. That's the way that we should relate with each other, whether, whether there's differences, whether there's personality differences, whatever the experiences, upbringings, that is irrelevant. He says, I just want you to imitate God. I want you to love the people in your life Love the people that you do life with. And even, Jesus even took it up a notch, I even want you to love your enemies. I even want you to love the people that don't like you, that mistreat you, that talk bad about you. I even want you to love them in the way that Jesus loved you because Jesus still died on a cross for Judas. He still washed Judas's feet. He did. And, and for all of those, all of those, over the hundreds and hundreds of years since he died on a cross, have never given their life, have never put their faith in Jesus. He still died for their sins, all sins. Once and for all. That's Jesus. That's the kind of love that he exhibited. And so he said, verse 2, just to, just to wrap this up. And so how do we imitate God? Well, he tells us to walk in love. Walk in love. For What's our example? Just as Christ also loved you and gave himself up for us. Like that's the kind of, that's the example. I want you to walk in this love. When it comes to every relationship, this is the example. Walk out this love. And when you do that, I love how it's described here. He says it's an offering, it's a sacrifice to God as a fragrant aroma. In other words, when you imitate God, when you love people that maybe don't even love you back, it is a sweet-smelling aroma to God. So Paul said, all right, I don't think you're getting it. I don't think you're getting it. So let me get really specific. So then he said this. So just a few verses later, or just a little bit into his writing, um, he said this. All right, all right. Here's, what, here's another way to say love one another as Jesus loved you. So here's the way that Paul wrote it. And he wrote it with a little barb to it. You know, same, same idea with a little barb. He says, and be subject. Or in other words, be submissive. Or submit yourself to one another in the fear of Christ. So here's the idea. He said, he said, I want you to have, when it comes to your relationships with anybody, and this is re relevant for any relationship, whether you're married or single or you know, available or you know, you know, just looking to mingle, whatever the case may be for you. Like you're just, I'm gonna be, my attitude is, if I'm gonna love one another as Jesus loved me. I'm subject, I'm gonna be subject to one another out of, out of reverence for Christ. And so last week, I, just, I, I made this statement. Mutual submission is a marriage, certainly a marriage mission. Mutual submission is a marriage mission. So for example, um, Natalie, can you help me out for a second? Come, come on, come on, come on, thanks. All right. Just hold the ace for me, all right? You got the ace, all right? All right, you got the ace, all right? And, and so here, let's say, all right, this is the king and the queen, all right? The king and the queen, all right? Let's talk about that in our relationships, all right? So everybody see it? You got the ace, hold the ace up just, yeah, there you go, there you go, just so they can see it, okay? So 
mutually, mutually, here's what, what Paul is saying. He's saying, listen, the king and the queen, all right, the husband and the wife, all right, are to be in mutual submission to one another out of their reverence for Christ, all right? He's the ace, all right? And the, you can play variations of card games. Let's just think about poker for a second, all right? All right? Ace is the highest, all right? I know, gambling in church, send me an email later, all right? I don't, all right? Here's what he said. He's like, all right. The ace is the man. Ace is like the ace in the hole. Like that's, that's the card you want to have in your hand. All right. Mutual submission. King, queen are mutually in submission to, to, the, to the ace, to the, to the Lord. That's what we're in mutual submission to. Okay. Together, equal value, equal worth, all one in the ch- children, as children of God. We're going to submit to the ace. Okay, we're going to submit to the ace. We're not better than the ace. We're, we're always going to be in subject to, to Jesus. All right, make sense? Make sense? All right, so, and then he said this in verse 22. Wives, be subject to your own husbands. Okay, be subject to your own husbands. So, um, so this is sort of the order on which he wants us to go. He says, okay, this is, this is the way that I want this example to look, all right? I want wives to be subject to your own husbands as to the Lord. And so, so just as, you know, we both, husband and wife, are subject to the Lord, okay? Wives are to be subject to their own husbands, add to the Lord. Why, 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 why? Because the wife is an imitation of the church, the wife is an imitation of the church. And I'll tell you why we know that. Well, look, look what it says. So, that, so in verse 22, okay? So he says, but, so he says, verse 20, 22, wives are to be subject to your own husband to the Lord. Verse 24, but as the church is subject to Christ, so also wives ought to be subject to their husbands in everything. And so God says, listen, I need there to be, I need there to be an arrangement I need there to be a certain order when it comes to that. Now, the, the one who initiates or sets the example of being mutually submissive to the Lord is the wife is supposed to be the first example of that. Why? Because she's imitating the church. She's an imitator of what the church should look like when it comes to having a relationship with Jesus. That's what she is. So when she then submits to her husband as they're both submitting to the Lord, right? What happens is this. The husband then will follow suit. All I do is sit, sit and think of these things all week. That's all I do. Sit in my office and play poker and think, that will work. Just kidding. So this is what will happen. Then when the wife, so the wife sets the example, the husband will begin to follow suit. Now, a self-centered marriage will fight for the better position. A self-centered marriage will go, nope, it's my spot. 
And then the husband would go, nope, it's my spot. Wife would go, nope, it's my spot. Nope, it's my spot. And they'll fight for the better position. A self-centered marriage will do that. A spirit-centered marriage will fight for the back. They'll fight for the back. They'll mutually try to be submissive to each other, even though it's the wife who sets the example of what submission should look like. You're like, like I want to kill you right now if you're a wife. Like, I, I'm just the messenger, all right? Don't shoot the messenger, all right? I'm just reading scripture, all right? Take it up with God. This is the position, this is the arrangement that God established, but the reality is a spirit-centered marriage will always fight for the back of the line and never the front of the line. So it will be a mutual competition with each other of who can go and who can be more of a servant to each other. Not as a way of looking to get a, try to get a better position. To not, and, and by the way, Genesis, right at the very beginning of the fall of mankind and sin entered this world. You know what God said to Adam and Eve? He said this, your wife, Eve, you will want to try to usurp the authority given by the husband. You will have a desire, it's worded this way, you will have a desire for your husband. It's meaning that you will desire to have the better position. You will fight for the better position. Thank you for your help. Does that make sense? I hope so. All right. It was a lot of work if it didn't. Now, here's the thing. Here's the thing. I took a poll. I took a poll. I did a poll, a little poll, all right? This is the other thing I do during the week. I take polls, all right? I took a poll of husbands who are not worth submitting to. I did. I, I thought about all of you. I'm just kidding. And I thought, who isn't worth submitting to. I included myself in that poll. Here's, here's what I found. Here's what I found. A hundred percent are not worth submitting to. A hundred percent. Wives, you're like, that's right. He's not hundred percent and not worth. Man, he is not worth. But listen, listen, listen. I am a hundred percent confident that Jesus is worth submitting to. And when you and you, wives, I'm just talking to you. I'm husbands, I'm, I'm man, you're going to get it in a minute here. No, I'm kidding, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. When you, when you realize, when you realize, listen, he's not worth submitting to, but Jesus is worth submitting to. And you wives are imitating, you wives are imitating the church. And the husband's job, the husband's responsibility is to imitate Jesus. And when you decide, when you, and this is a, this is a willful decision. This is a, this is a intentional, willful decision. When you decide that I'm going to submit to my husband, not because he's worth submitting to, because the reality is, is that none of us are. But when you decide I'm going to submit to my husband because Jesus is worth submitting to. Because Jesus loved me 
when I didn't deserve it. Jesus loved me when I didn't earn his love. Jesus still loved me when I turned my back on him. Jesus still loved me, and therefore I'm going to love my spouse in that same way. Peter said it this way. Peter wrote, talked about it too. Again, all of the New Testament, all of the New Testament is application of this one command, love Jesus, love one another as Jesus loved you. So Peter wrote it this way. Verse, in chapter 2, here's what he, start, he says in verse 21. For you have been called for this purpose. Now, I perk up when I read something like this. What have I been called to? What purpose have I been called to? He says, since Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example to follow in his steps. So he said, I want you to follow in the steps. He said, and he goes into, now he's now quoting from the Old Testament. He's now giving a, a quote or, or quoting the prophet Isaiah in Isaiah 50, 53. And he said this, who committed no sin, nor was any deceit found in his mouth. Verse 23. And while being reviled, he did not revile in return. While suffering, he uttered no threats. But kept, this is, this is so important, so important in, in marriage and in any, any relationship. But kept entrusting himself to him who judges righteously. Here's what he's saying. He's saying, listen, he had, he had every right or every reason to, to respond to his critics. He had every reason to those that were speaking falsely about him to lash back out. Does this sound like anybody else's marriage? He had every reason to utter, you know, th uh, threats, even though, you know, he was being threatened himself. But yet, yet, this is so important for every relationship, he kept his mouth shut and just kept trusting God. And the reason why he kept trusting his heavenly father is because his heavenly father, he knew one day, will judge righteously. And so the reason why we shouldn't engage when it comes to our relationships, the reason why we shouldn't return evil for evil or insult for insult, which, which Paul wrote you know, in, in another, another letter to a church, he says the reason why we shouldn't revile even though we're being reviled, the reason why we should just utter no threats even while he was suffering, he didn't utter any threats, is because there's a righteous God who will judge righteously one day. And if you have anything back to say to your spouse or any boss or any significant other, any friendship or relationship, you should say, God is the righteous judge he will have his day with you that should be enough for you I wouldn't say anything at all because Jesus didn't say anything at all but that's the reality of it he just kept entrusting God God he's gonna handle it God he's gonna deal with it but he goes on and says and he himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sin and live to righteousness for by his wounds we you were healed and we for we were continually strained like sheep but now you have returned to the shepherd and guardian of your souls. Wow! What an example! Are you with me? What an example! That's why Jesus is worth submitting to. Now, look at this. Look at this. Here it is. Even though man has inserted chapters and verses into our Bibles, the writers, when they wrote these letters to people, they didn't have those things. They didn't have chapters. They didn't have verses. So here's what, 
Peter follows up with next. Look what it says. And this is now chapter 3 in verse 1. In the same way. And then he says this. In the same way you wives. He's now getting specific. He's now going, okay, I just laid out a big idea of Jesus' love for us. In the same way you wives be submissive to your own husbands so as even if any of them are disobedient to the word, even when your husband, in other words, even when your husband is a schlub, they may be one without a word, without a word by the behavior of their wives. He may not be worth submitting to. And most days, I'm not either. But Jesus is. But Jesus is. And your standard is to love in the same way that Jesus loved you. Now, Peter's not done. He says, no, skip down. He talks a little bit more about wives. We're not gonna, we've, we've had enough with that. He says, you husbands, look at his, look what he says. You husbands, I wish I would have had that highlighted, my bad, in the same way. You husbands in the same way, live with your wives in an understanding way as with someone weaker since she is a woman. Now, this is now where women are offended again. Now, he's not talking about weaker, you know, intellectually. He's not even talking about weaker emotionally. He's just talking about how women are just weaker physically. They're physically weaker. Now, some of you women, this is, this is, there's exceptions to this rule, but we know this to be true. We just know this to be true. Again, I'm not trying to offend anybody here. There's just the reason why there's separate sports. Okay, I know, I know, you're offended, I get it, but this is, this is just a reason. We just know, there's just a difference in that. Now, I, here's the thing, my wife loves to go biking with me. I mean, we love to go biking together. And sometimes, I know, I'm just, I'm going to throw myself under the bus here. I'm putting myself on the line, have sympathy for me, all right? No, I'm just kidding, have sympathy for her. So, she, we like, she, so we'll go biking, and sometimes, you know, I like to, you know, kind of just get going, right? I want to just get going, I want to get moving, and she's not as quick on the bike as, as I am, and so, which is understandable, right? I mean, it's just, it's a lot, and so I'm, I have to just, in my mind, I got to go, okay, okay, even though I want to get ahead, even though I want to you know, go faster and, and she doesn't have the, the same physical ability that I have to, in order for her to do that, I, want to, I have to be, under, I need to be, I'm called to be understanding. In other words, I'm called to be, understanding means to be, to be sensitive, to be considerate. That's what, I, that's what we're, we're called to be as husbands. We're to be understanding in the point to where we need to be considerate of them. We need to be considerate of her needs. We need to be considerate of her desires. That's what we need to be considerate of. We need to be understanding in that way, in every area, in every area. So I asked my wife, I said, what is the thing, what are the areas that I am the most inconsiderate? That was dangerous. I challenge you to do that. 
I said, just tell me. And she like took 10 minutes just to try to think about how to, how do I say this? And so I said, how, where are areas that I'm just insensitive, that I'm inconsiderate? And she told, she, she, she told me, she goes, you know, um, you know, sometimes when it comes to a task or a, a job that, you know, at hand that we need to do or whatever, she says, I'll, I'll tell you about it. And she said, what I want you to do is I want us to do it together. I want us to do it. I want us to do it as a partnership. But what you always do, you never say that, wives. What you always do is that you always just want to problem solve it solo. Like you just, I, that's, that's what I do. I, I'm always, I'm just like, I see a problem and I hear a problem and I go, I got to solve it. I got to fix it. I got to get it done. And I don't need anybody else's help. I've got it. Like, don't, like, and she's, and she's like, no, 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 I want us to, I want us to work it out together. And she goes, and it makes me feel like I'm weaker. And you make me feel like it's, I'm insignificant. And listen, that's where Peter is telling us, husbands, love your wives as Jesus loved you. And the way that you do that, the way that it comes out is you need to be understanding. You need to be sensitive. You need to be considerate. You need to try to get to a place where you realize that it's about a partnership. That it's not about you going to do your own thing and figuring out your own way and I've got it handled because I'm a man and I can do it and you just get out of the way, little lady, and I've got it all covered. Like This is not the mindset of what the husband is supposed to be. He says, I want you to be more understanding. He says, listen, and, and here's what it could say. Here's what it could say. He, Peter could have wrote it this way. You wives in the same way live with your husband in an understanding way as someone dumber. <laughs> since he is a man. Like this is what, it, what, this is what Peter could have said, right? We're just dumb. Like we don't have it all. Like we're just, we just kind of get in our own little tunnel vision world. And, and Peter is telling us and Paul tells us the same thing. We need to be more considerate. We need to be more sensitive. And men, we need to stop being so dumb all the time. And then he says a verse, verse, continuation in verse 7. He says, not just to be understanding. He says, I want you to show her honor as a fellow heir. So here Peter is telling, reminding us, wives, husbands, wives, they're, they're equal in value, equal in worth. They are equal in, in the eyes of God, equal in the family of God. He says, I want you to show her honor as a fellow heir of the grace of life. He says, husbands, I want you to honor her. I want you to honor her. In other words, he, you know, here's, the, my wife just had a birthday and I made some shirts for her over that, all, that me and my kids can wear for her and there they are. There are just pictures of her over her, you know, over her, her life, whatever. And what, what was that? It was me trying to honor her for her birthday, right? We all understand this. But why is it, why is it that we only pick one day, maybe two days out of the year to really honor our wives? 
Why is it, husbands, that we just decide, you know, on one particular day, I'm going to go and above and beyond? Now, I'm not saying you need to make t-shirts for her like every single day, all right? That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying that the heart or the motivation for you husbands when it comes to how you treat your wife is to honor her. Is to, and you know what this is like. You've, you've been in a room with somebody that you just knew was like more important than you. Have you ever been there? Like you just knew that somebody was just because of their status, you know, maybe a title that they had or an experience that they lived through. You've been in there. You've been in a room where they're just more important than you. You know what you don't do to them when they talk? You don't cut them off. You don't correct them. You don't try to make sure that even though they missed one little small tiny detail that you say, no, 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 it wasn't red, it was blue. You don't do that. Why? Because you honor them. And even when they say something that really isn't funny, you laugh anyways. What is that? It means you honor them. We've all experienced this before. Have you ever showed up to a wedding and when, when the bride walks in the room, everybody stands. But when you walk in the room, nobody cares. <laughs> Do you ever, when you're at that wedding, you're like, you know, there's a receiving line for just the bride and the groom. And for you, you're just standing in that line, waiting for your opportunity to congratulate the bride and the groom. What is that? That is honoring someone. Listen, he's saying to us husbands, husbands, you must Honor your wife because she is a fellow heir. She's a fellow heir. And she is, look at, can you throw a verse, that's verse seven. And she is the grace of life. In other words, here's what he's saying. He's calling marriage, or excuse me, he's calling your wife the grace of life. What a beautiful thing, isn't it? You know what that means to you husbands? Look at me, husbands. Man, look at me right now because this is so important. Your wife you don't deserve. That's what grace is. Grace is undeserved, unmerited. The wife that you have in your life, husbands, you don't deserve her for this life. But God, through his kindness, through his love, through his grace, allowed you to have her. She is the grace of life, which we learned last week that marriage is just for this life only. And so your view of her, husband, is to see her as a gift from God. An undeserved, unmerited gift from God that you need to figure out every single day how to honor her. How to honor her. That's what Peter is telling us. And if you don't, here's the ramifications for this. If you don't, look what he says, the rest of the verse seven. We're gonna put the whole verse up there, I think now. Look, look at what he says. You husbands in the same way, live with your wives in an understanding way as someone weaker since she is a woman and show her honor as a fellow heir of the grace of life so that your prayers will not be hindered. Oh my goodness. Husbands. This is what's at stake. If we can't 
muster up enough understanding, if we can't muster up the ability to honor our spouse, here's what he's saying. He's saying that your prayers will be hindered. That's how serious it is. That's how serious it is. So Paul said, listen, I, Peter went all into it. He described all of it. He put it all into detail. He said, I'm not, here's what. So Paul said it in Colossians to the, wrote, wrote this church to the church in Colossae. He said this, here's what he said. He said, wives, be subject to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. In other words, this is what fits best. This is what makes marriages work best. This is where the position of marriage ought to be. Wives are to be submissive to their husbands as is fitting in the Lord. And then he says this, husbands, love your wives. In other words, agape your wives. Do for them, love them in the way, and do not be embittered against them. Do not hold a grudge. Do not store up bitterness. Do not have resentment in your heart for your wife. Don't do that. That's, that, that's not loving them in the way that Jesus loved us. Don't do that. So I just wrote it this because I can't learn anything unless it's a rhyme. Don't call her honey if you treat her like bitter vinegar. Don't call her honey if you treat her like bitter vinegar. You can write that down. That's all right. <laughs> this is what he's telling us. Don't call, don't say, oh, honey, 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 sweet honey. Blah, 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 blah. If you call her, if you treat her, if you respond to her like bitter vinegar, don't do that. Don't treat her that way. Be understanding, husbands. Honor her, husbands. Love her in a way that Jesus loved you. Why, husbands? Because you are the imitator. You are the imitator of Christ. That's who you are. And so Paul finishes, finishes up with his thought on, on husbands and wives as, the, as an application, as an illustration of the love that God shows towards us, that Jesus demonstrates towards us. And he says, listen, here's what you need, need to see this as. Husbands and wives, here's the way you need to see it. You need to see this as a mutual source, that you have a mutual source, that there needs to be mutual submission, but there's also a mutual source that we have as husbands and wives. And here's the way he put it. So husbands ought to also to love their wives as their own bodies. The husbands, the way that you treat yourself, the way that you love yourself, the way that you treat your body, he says, I want you to love your wife in that same way. That what you wouldn't allow happen to you, how, what you wouldn't allow to hurt you, wouldn't you what you wouldn't allow you know, to, 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 to go through any kind of pain or suffering or agony, he says, I want you to see your wife in that way. Because he who loves his own wife loves himself. See, he goes on, verse 28. For no one has ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes it and cherishes it. Just as Christ also does the church. Why? Because we are members of his body. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and his mother and shall be joined to his wife and two shall become one flesh. There isn't a more intimate relationship between two human beings than the institution of marriage. There's nothing more personal. There's nothing more intimate. There's nothing that more that, that, that God 
you know, does in a, in a relationship that brings two people together and, and describes it in a way where two become one. He says, that's what marriage looks like. That's the picture of marriage. And then Paul says it this way. He says, but this mystery is great. He says, I, I, Paul's going, I can't even wrap my mind around it. I can't even really quite understand the, you know, the, how intimate marriage is. I can't even really describe to you. It's, it's bigger than, it's more important than you know, just trying to get along. It's more important than trying to figure out each other's love languages. It's more important than his needs or her needs. It's more important than that, he said. He's saying this is way more important. He says, I'm speaking with reference to Christ and the church. Do you know what your marriage is if you're a Christian? Your marriage is an illustration of the kind of relationship that the church has with Jesus and the love that Jesus has for his church. Your Marriage is bigger than just trying to figure out who's going to keep the toilet seat up or down, whether the toothpaste is squeezed from the bottom or from the middle. There's bigger issues than that. Your marriage is an illustration of the love that Jesus has for his body and the body's love for the head of the church, Jesus. That's the one, according to Paul and Peter, that's the best, that's the best illustration of a word, of of what the world needs to see. That's the best illustration that we can get from, to give, give to the world is to see what the marriage is supposed to look like, all founded on, all based on the one rule, husbands and wives, one rule, love one another as Christ has loved you. Now, here's a practical application, and I'll be done. Practical application. What was once in your marriage natural? You remember that point? point in your marriage where things were like, oh, she's amazing. Oh, he's incredible. Oh, you know, he called me. Oh, you got that little feeling. Remember that? Remember what was once natural? Here's, here's, I'll show you how. Early in marriage, okay, early in marriage. Here's, hey, can you stop and get some milk? Early in marriage, here's the text coming back through. Yeah, sure, be happy, happy to, okay? You're the best. And then the husband comes back and says, I would die for you. You remember this? And then like five years later, later in marriage, five years, maybe 10. Hey, can you stop and get some milk? Haven't heard from him in like over an hour. It's now late afternoon. Didn't you get milk when you went to grocery shopping this week? Eye roll emoji. Your kids went through it already. Ugh. So can you? This is a long text. I guess. Since you're going, can you pick up some eggs and bread too? And oh, and don't forget you're on a hem- you need some more hemorrhoid cream. <laughs> you remember that? 
And now you're in the later in marriage, and you're just like, oh, remember? It was just so much, so much has changed. Listen, listen, listen. Here's a, here's a practical, just a real simple practical thing that I learned, learned, learned and, and I'm still trying to figure it out, but this is so, so important, okay? Okay, so important. If you want your marriage to be a, a picture, an illustration of Jesus and his church, the love that the church has for Jesus and the love that Jesus has for the church. Okay, here's, here's what we need to have. Romance, that's, that's where, we're once, where it once was, okay? Now listen, what was once natural, this is so important, what was once natural needs to be now intentional. You need to make it intentional. What was once easy and natural now needs to be just more intentional. So what you need to have romance, and then what happens is that in that process, there's regression, Right? Over time, you get used to each other, living together, all of the other stuff that goes along with it, there's regression. And then there needs to be a rekindle. There needs to be a rekindle. Spend some time together. Go out on a date together. Do stuff together. Go biking together. And wait for her. <laughs> I'm just, this is only for accountability for me, right? This is only for, but that's what needs to happen. It's romance, it's regression, it's rekindle, and then you get back to the romance. But it has to be what was once natural, it needs to be intentional. And husbands, since you're the Jesus, since you're the imitator of Jesus in this illustration, you need to be the initiator. That's your job to be the initiator. She'll set the first example of submission, but then after that, it's a, it's a race to the back of the line. It's a race to serving each other. It's a race to meeting each other's needs. It's a race to doing all that. Listen, that, but you husbands, you husbands need to be the initiator of it. You're the head. You're the Jesus figure, and you're to love her as Jesus loved you, and Jesus loved her. She is the grace of your life. See her in that way. Honor her in that way. Be understanding in all the ways that you do, and your wife will go, well, he, maybe not 100%. Maybe my husband is worth submitting to because he's like Jesus. It's romance. Regression. Rekindle. Husbands, initiate. Initiate. Husbands and wives, be intentional. Be intentional. Okay? All right, let's pray. God, whew, we just want to we want to demonstrate and reflect and magnify and just exhibit the love that you expressed and demonstrated and showed to us. And we want that to be in our marriages. And we don't always get this right, but I pray, Lord, that we're striving in, in an intentional way we're striving to move towards what marriage and why you designed it and why you created marriage, the purpose, and to show what it's, what it's supposed to show so that those that are maybe peering in on the outside, those that are looking into maybe considering following you, 
considering Christianity, they can look at our marriages and say, that's what I want. That's the kind of marriage that I want. And this can only happen with spirit-filled lives. Self-centered lives, this is only going to fall apart and it's only going to look messy. Spirit-filled lives, that's something worth looking to. So God, I just pray, Lord, that you just empower each one here, that these principles can also apply to any kind of relationship, really. But I pray, Lord, that as those are husbands here, wives here, Lord, that that's, these are, the, these are the, the ground rules that we follow. And just following that one rule of loving each other the way that you loved us. Be with each one. Keep them safe. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Have a great Sunday.